As we do every Friday on Scoops with DannyMac.com, we visit with the Post-Dispatch's lead sports columnist, and that is Ben Fredrickson. And Ben, good morning to you. Away we go. The draft is here. I know you're fired up about the draft. You are. Oh, gosh. I've been I've been having my mock drafts now for yep. weeks. Yeah, I've me been too. updating it. I've been updating on the fly, talking to my uh, talking to my sources. I kind of did uh, get into it for a long time, though. I really did. Oh man, it, yeah, we had to when when there was a team, and it was fun, <laughs> and it was it felt like this massive event, and it is crazy now how how quickly it disappears from like my thoughts of like when is it on the calendar, and also like. I was looking at it last night. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I hadn't even heard anything about the draft order. I was like, how did the Houston Texans end up with two picks in the top three? They traded up. But um, it is surreal to look at it and go, oh, yeah, that used to be like a massive event in our lives in terms of in terms of sports coverage. And um, it's a it's in some ways I kind of miss it. And then in some ways I go, my goodness, there was so much time and energy and effort spent into something that usually people get so, so, so wrong. The, yeah. The <laughs> but, only, well, the only thing I, I like about it is seeing if a Mizzou kid goes or yeah. Illinois kid or some local kid that's playing somewhere else in the country. And if I see that, then I'll pay attention. But since the Rams left, my attention span with that is about none. And it's not even, it used to be more fun to watch it and kind of make fun of the Rams, but uh, now they let McVeigh run everything, which is smart of them, and they make smart decisions. So it's, uh, it's, it's not quite as, not quite as fun there. Um, there are, you know, some local connections there. Isaiah McGuire out of Mizzou is going to, um, is going to be taken highest of, of any Mizzou player. Um, so that's something that, to keep an eye on there. Um, and then it is neat that it's going, you know, it is going on in, in Kansas city. I think there was a, a Kansas city area kid who was taken at the final pick of the first round, which is certainly pretty cool. Um, and you had, uh, well, he was a K state kid. You had, wasn't he? you had, you had an Illinois cornerback in Devin Weatherspoon go in the, uh, in the top 10. I think he was going, he went five to the, to the Seahawks. So there's some local action there. There'll always be some St. Louis area kids, in the mix because St. Louis churns out professional athletes pretty much unlike any other city its size. So for those tracking it, I'm not trying to be dismissive of it. It's very, very cool, but it's uh, it's surreal to see it going on in the state. And uh, and we're kind of like, oh, yeah, the draft's here. <laughs> I, I You know, I can't remember if we talked about it, but there was a, uh, a stat that came out. I don't know if ESPN did it or what national outlet did it, but they looked at the kids from a metropolitan area or the city and how many of those kids are playing professional sports? And it could be Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum uh, to some local kids like Veerling is playing for the Phillies, you know, all that different stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think St. Louis was number one on that list of pro athletes. There is a, a new one going around, and it might be the one you're referencing, and it was emailed to me. Oh, I need to dig that up. I don't know how it's like I'd have to fact check it, but, uh, yeah, there's a, there's there's – the company that goes around is a PR company that has that says it has crushed the crunched these numbers. Um, and it's got St. Louis at the top of the list in terms of producing, you know, professional talent. And what jumps out to me is that it's not just like guys that nobody's ever heard of. I mean, you're talking about some of the, yeah. some of the most premier players um, in the sport. I mean, Jason Tatum, what he's doing for the Boston Celtics at a young age can only really be compared to, to Larry Bird. And, you know, he's 
at some point, I do think he will, if he stays there, if they keep him, he will lead them to an NBA championship. I don't know if it'll be this season, but uh, it's a very special player, and, and there's guys throughout. So I don't know why that is, Dan. I mean, sports is obviously massively important here. It's it's a part of our lives. I think there's really, really good um, youth coaching that goes on at this level. I mean, look at some of the guys that the hockey side has produced. Ridiculous. That seems to be ramping up now. But a lot of former Blues stick around and coach, which has to has to help things. I think there's good coaching. I think it's a it's a key part of our lives. And uh, I think that uh, I think there's there's acknowledgement from some of these even young kids that if you if you play hard and if you're given the God given gift, there's a system here that can get you to high colleges and that can launch you to the pros. So it's not a pipe dream here. It's a, it's a reality. You got to have certain things you can't control, but if you work hard and you, you do have those things, this place can get you there. All right, let's go rapid fire. We always have limited time with you because you're so busy and just to get you on the time pot- in the world, man. Oh, all right. Well, then we talk about, I got all kinds of things I want to get into. Okay. All right. So I'm going to, I'll start with the Cardinals here, but I want to get into Mizzou. I want to get an MLS little battle Hawks here. So we'll, we'll jump around, but let's start with the Cardinals. Um, it's been a rough start to the season. It's been a rough road trip. Clearly, just generally speaking, what are you seeing? And I guess you'd go a long time with this, but what are you seeing from the Cardinals right now in 2023? Um, building stress, <laughs> some, mixed, some mixed messages. Um, I think some questioning of their own approach. Um, and and just... Uh, well, let, let me stop you there. You know, let, that, let's start well, with this. Let's start with this. Jordan Walker. Yep. Just being sent down. You're, you know, yeah. you're a guy that has to write about this, evaluate it every day. What did you think? Well, I, I understand how that is the the easiest option because he's the youngest guy. Um, I don't necessarily think it was the the best option. Um, I think that the, when I talked about those mixed messages, it's you know one day it's hey Jordan's going to work on some things at the major league level. Um, he's going to he's going to skip a few games and try to get him right, get his swing off the ground, help him showcase his power. And you go, okay, that makes sense. You know, he had the historic hitting streak. And then all of a sudden he kind of went quiet and, but it sounds like they're going to try to iron it out. And then all of a sudden the next day he's gone. Um, It's not as much what Jordan Walker wasn't doing. That didn't help him stick Um, this time around. He'll be back. It's more of, I think the other outfielders kind of not being happy or or comfortable or, or contributing in in their roles. It was a crowded outfield. The Cardinals decided they were going to try to kind of let the, uh, let the best men win and i don't think that they are happy with the results it's getting now i don't know that the best approach is to say hey you guys are underperforming you're going to get more opportunities and we're going to get you know handled in a, in a way that hopefully makes everybody more comfortable that that doesn't exactly seem to go with the the model they had entering the season where it was hey go compete and win a job now if it works then it will be a smart change if it doesn't work well it means they've they've got the wrong outfielders but for them to change tune on that so early shows you there's the stress level um, for them to talk very passionately about why Tyler O'Neill needs to be a center fielder entering the season. Um, something that never really sounded right from the jump. And now all of a sudden it's going to be Lars Newbar. I think it shows you the the stress is building. So that's what I see just kind of, I, I see them struggling to do anything completely and they were able to do that Thursday and that's how it's supposed to look. And that's what Ali said after the game. But when they, when they get some runs, they don't pitch well. When the starters pitch well, the, the bullpen tends to not, um, or the offense goes dark. And when you get all three, it looks like a team that 
we thought was going to be pretty good and they and they play like it but it's been very rare for them to line up all elements of their game at once the defense will will will, will boot a couple balls for a team that's supposed to be very good they, they just haven't been able to put it all together very often and that speaks to their record they have not yet won three consecutive games Every other team in this division has done that at least once, sometimes twice, and some often more. Um, they haven't been able to put three three games back to back to back. So before I see one game and go, okay, they've got it figured out, I'm going to need to see them start to, to string together some good games first. Yeah, it's just like you know the parts are there, and mm-hmm. I, I really truly believe that. But when I see the defense falter, I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, something something's mm-hmm. definitely not right. Defense usually doesn't slump. And you can have pitching slumps, you have hitting slumps, you get runners in scoring position slumps. I, I just don't normally see defense slump when you have Arenado, Goldie, and Tommy Edmond. You know, Tommy Edmond had costly errors against San Francisco. And if you look at their unearned runs this year as opposed to last year, it's at a higher rate, but it's also the time in which they're making them. And what that tells me is that this team is a little tight. And I, I think we're seeing that. I don't know if you agree with it, but it just looks like the team with this kind of start, the expectations being so high, they're just playing a little bit tight. So tight. I mean, tight, 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 tight. Nolan Arenado looks like he's about to to jump out of his skin at times. He's really searching for his swing. You can sense his his annoyance with his own production. Um, Edmund doesn't make errors like that um, in back-to-back games. And I know he's at second base. He's used to playing shortstop. And that's one thing that I would probably change. I, w- I would like to leave him at shortstop. If if Paul DeYoung is going to play, then Paul DeYoung can play second base. Um, you know, I, I think you you got to pick who your who your regular shortstop is and try to keep them there as much as you can. But but Edmund should make those plays. Um, you know, things that things that that wouldn't normally happen for this defense at times are, are happening. And I, I see that in the offense, Dan. I don't know about about you, but like it's different. Uh, maybe it shouldn't be, you know, in terms of the numbers, but mentally it is absolutely different for an offense to be in a game where the, it's knotted at zero versus one where they're trailing by two, three runs. The Cardinals in the, in the game that they won to, to salvage something in San Francisco, they didn't, uh, they didn't score until late in the game and then they poured it on, but they weren't trailing until that point. Well, they the, were knotted the, at zero and they're playing from behind a lot. That's early the key in these games because the starters are struggling and it adds to the stress. It adds to the pressure of the at-bats, and it often starts to feel that over time. That's the key, and it also has a, a balance on the other side, too. So if you're a pitcher, and some plays aren't made behind you, which is going to happen, you got to pitch around it. But if your offense isn't going to score, as a pitcher, you feel like you got to be fine. you got to be perfect. I can't give up this run. So what do you do as you try to be fine? Well, now I missed over the middle of the plate. Boom. All of a sudden, there's damage. And on the flip side, if you're an offense and you're trailing, guys are trying to hit a five-run homer. Or you just feel the collective pressure of the team losing, you're behind again, and we got to do something. So I, I really think that there's something to that. I really do. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's what I see. And, and I think that's what I see more than you know this being on, on one specific guy. Exactly. I mean, it would certainly help if Nolan Arenado hit like Nolan Arenado. I think he probably will at some point he's the kind of guy as long as he's healthy and there's been no indication that he's not that wouldn't mean that he necessarily is we know how the cardinals treat that stuff sometimes but it looks like he's just off and he could flip that in a hurry and that could be the thing that sends them on their way but you know i hate to be 
I don't want to be too doomsday here, you know, right as we get ready to begin May. But I'll say this, like the Cardinals have to understand the hole they're digging themselves in. And it's getting deeper, not just because of their own doing. Dan, this division may be better than we thought. Yeah. Um, the Cubs have, as of today, the best rotation ERA, the best run differential, and the best OPS in the National League. They've beaten some really good teams, and they're playing really well. I mean, the Pirates are leading the division um, and stealing more bases than than any team in the league. And, of course, the Brewers are good, and they've beaten some good teams. So we kind of thought this was going to be a cakewalk in some ways. Maybe the Brewers would be tough, but they looked like they were kind of scaling back. Um, no one expected this out of the Pirates, probably not even the Pirates. And we weren't sure what to make of the Cubs because they had done some some kind of bounce-back type deals. Well, as of now, those deals look really smart, and they've got a very good kind of vibe about them. It may not last, but when you're seeing teams jump out to you know leads like like these other teams are getting over the Cardinals, those get really hard to overcome as they compound. And unless unless team unless a team falls off a cliff, well, one of them might. But you've got three now that are playing very good. The Cardinals are in last place, eight games back. It gets harder to make up that ground if those other teams continue to play well, even if the Cardinals finally find their stride. What you want. Lou Fuse has got it. Lou Fuse is here as the official automotive partner of St. Louis City FC. And we are here winning with 17 brands of vehicles, 13 huge Lou Fuse locations, and over 1,600 new and pre-owned cars, trucks, and SUVs. Lou Fuse is here with the selection you want, the savings you need, and the support for our community you can count on. Visit us today at Fuse.com. I got to put you on the spot. As people uh, know here on Scoops at DannyMac.com, Martin and I do a what we call great talk, okay? And I know you listen to those, Ben. You haven't missed an edition of those. And in great talk, sometimes we talk sports. It just does happen. Now, we're supposed to talk sports, but things go off. You know how it is with Martin. You go off on tangents. Well, <laughs> I, I do, yeah. Yesterday's great talk was going to focus on the Cardinals, and 45 uh-huh. minutes later it came into, we called it story time. So okay. things happen. We did, though, get into Ben Fredrickson and his visit with Eli Drinkwitz. And... Uh, <laughs> I heard he just threw you under the bus or something. I mean, I, I'll let you take it from here, but what happened with you and Eli? No, it was good. Great conversation, <laughs> good informative debate. And, uh, hey, I play by the rule of if you're going to have opinions, and I do, it's part of my job, it is mostly my job, then you can't ever get too honked off when someone has them back, right? They come I mean, back at you with their opinion, that's, yeah. That's, I love it, and it usually leads to, to good questions and answers. I gave Eli kind of a hard time. I thought he kind of uh, – I thought Mizzou's spring ball approach this year was a little lacking, and I, it doesn't sound like to me like there's much buzz around the football team. So I kind of uh, gave him a hard time in a column about Mizzou being all hyped up about basketball, but you know there's hardly much talk about football entering a very important fall for him. And uh, he read it. He uh, maybe he was the only person who read it, but uh, he he read it and he wanted to answer some of those questions and he wanted to uh, call me out a little bit. I love it. And I told Eli, I said, man. A lot of coaches are super sensitive. A lot of them uh, would, would would refuse to even interact about something like that. But he went to bat for his team. And here's the deal, man. If this team is fired up to prove people wrong and to, and to say, hey, this is the year where it, t- it turns and they're they're getting that mentality from their head coach, that's a good thing. That's good coaching. So 
I, what I wrote was there are a lot of questions about this offense. The defense we think is going to be pretty good. Um, if Eli made the right calls about this offense this offseason, and he made three big ones. He brought in a new quarterback. We'll see who actually starts, but he increased the quarterback competition. He'll have to pick the right starter. He brought in a new offensive line coach for a position group that really underperformed last year, and he brought in a new offensive coordinator, a guy who's going to pl- call plays for the first time in Eli's career. He's handing that over to to Kirby Moore. So if those things hit, then the offense will be good and the defense should be very good and this team should be very good. And and we won't be talking about what direction is this thing going. If they don't or if they fall apart, then it's going to be more than fair after four seasons to say, hey, you know, why isn't this offense in a better spot for an offensive minded head coach? How about Dennis Gates, Kobe Brown? What did, what did you think about the Mizzou gathering and some of the information that you took away from those guys? Well, I thought Gates is um, saying the right things about Kobe. Um, I'm sure he wants him back, and I'm sure NIL uh, givers at Mizzou are, are are shaking their sofas to try to get money to make it uh, competitive, and they should. I mean, he's uh, he would be the greatest recruit they could land this offseason. Um, he's going to you know flirt with the NBA, and he should. He's going through that evaluation process. Here's the deal, Dan. If you're not a first-round lock right now, and Kobe's not, NIL gets pretty NIL can make things pretty competitive. Absolutely. But the other side of that is Kobe already, I think, would be the youngest or I'm sorry, the oldest player in this draft pool right now if he goes this year. And wow. which means he would be he would be ancient in the eyes of the NBA if he comes back another season. So if he feels in his heart of hearts like now's the time to go try to take that shot at the NBA, then I can understand if he says, Hey, I gotta I got to go now because they don't like older players. They want young guys that they can develop in the NBA. That that has totally changed. So that 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 may be the number that's biggest. Not even the NIL money. That's a good but point. If he's if, if he's willing to say, hey, I you know we'll see what happens with pro ball later. Maybe I go play overseas or take my shot at the NBA if I can make good money in, in Columbia. Then then maybe he comes back. It reminds me a little bit of that Kofi Coburn situation at Illinois where nobody thought he would come back and he did. So Mizzou should try to pay him and try to get him back. And and they should also try to land one of these recruits that they've had to campus. They missed out on the kid from Western Kentucky. The big shot blocker would have really helped them. I thought they had it in there because of his assistant. One of the assistant coaches was his coach in Juco, but he goes to Ole Miss to play for Chris Beard um, in Oxford, which they're on the rebound there with kind of the retread of the Chris Beard experiment after he got fired at Texas. So they got some NIL money going clearly. Um, Matthew Cleveland, the kid from Florida state who played for came to Florida state to play for CY young. He's still in that portal as of now, Dan, if they could get him, he was the best player on that Florida state team. That would be a a big win for Dennis on the transfer wires. We'll see if he can get that done on Kobe. We're just going to have to stay tuned. Yeah. Interesting. What about the slew situation of the kids coming and going? It's been kind of quiet. Haven't heard a lot about it. Seen a couple of the, the kids that they're bringing in in the, the portal, but have you followed that very closely and, and what Travis is doing? Well, I think he's, I think it's now, right now it's kind of wait to see um, what he makes of the holes on his roster. Um, in, in previous years, this would have been kind of a five alarm fire. Maybe it's, Oh my gosh, all these guys are leaving. How is he going to patch this roster in the era of the transfer portal? It's like, oh, we'll just have to wait to see who he gets. I think there are probably more um, openings than he would have initially expected. There have been some some recruits who have decided to go elsewhere. You can you can build that to say this is a this is a problem. This shows their lack of 
faith in the direction of the program if you want. But if you go out and replace those guys with, with better players, then then it, it's a good thing. So I've kind of tried to be more patient about seeing actually who fills some of these holes um, before reacting to it. But he does have to fill the holes. And, you know, he's going to have a bunch of visitors um, you've got uh, you've got a chance to upgrade and really change the dynamic of a team that was I don't want to say stale, but I think those guys had those guys some of those guys were ready ready to move on. Yeah, um, he's added a new assistant coach, so it's going to be a test for Travis. Um, we you know roster turnover is no longer an excuse for not fielding a competitive team. We've seen a heavy dose of the transfer portal get a coach fired. Here regionally in Conzo Martin, we've seen a heavy dose of the transfer portal get a coach a big raise and extension um, in Dennis Gates one year later. So picking the right guys, building a team from that, it can be done. And I think that should be the expectation. He knew a lot of these guys were going to be leaving um, and he should be able to get players in here who can sustain and hopefully elevate the program. If not, then then and you lock yourself into a bunch of guys who have used that one time transfer then you get stuck with a team that, that may not be very good, and that's what you got to avoid. There are times I, I love it when there are pro athletes, coaches even, uh, front office people rarely, but they interact with the fans on Twitter. Adam Wainwright did that this past <laughs> week. I love it. I love that he has a Twitter. I, I think it's great. I think he's a great personality. I think it's tremendous that he does that with the fans. If I ran the team, I'd say, you know what? This is great. We, we got one of our premier guys, a future Cardinal Hall of Famer, maybe a future Baseball Hall of Famer, and here he is interacting with the fans. Personally, Ben, I know some people probably don't like it. I love it. I think it's good for the sport. I think it's good for him. I think it's fun for the fans. And, I hey, I'm, I'm fine. He wants to die on that hill and say, I'm, I'm you know, re- wrestling up the troops and we're going to win, and by God, we're going to play better football around Kurt Warner. All for, I'm all for it. So... <laughs> I love it. I think it's great and uh, good for him. And I, I wish Adam nothing but the best because he's one of my favorite people. Yeah. At some point, Adam is thinking, hey, what do I have to do around here to get the benefit of the doubt? <laughs> right. And and why does it only last like six minutes when I get it? And, and, and look, and, on the flip side, though, I get it. His velocity is down. People will I say that. And he's, you know, father it. time is unbeaten. So yes. that's one side of it. But the other side of it is that Father Time should have gotten him four or five years ago. So (laughs) give him the benefit of the doubt. And and also, to the people who are going, oh, my God, his velocity's down. Oh, my God, you know, it's going to be terrible. Oh, my God, they gave him $17 million. A, look at the Charlie Morton contract. But B, also, ask yourself truly, ask yourself a question. I want a true answer to those people. Ask me. What would they be saying if the Cardinals let Adam Wainwright walk and he was pitching for – the Atlanta Braves oh. on a one-year deal. I don't care whether he was whether he was playing well or or injured or whatever. If the Braves came to town and Adam Wainwright was in the Braves gear in that visitors dugout, how would they have felt? Honestly, would they have thought, "My God, that was seventeen million the Cardinals saved. They clearly needed that money. They weren't going to spend it anywhere else." Right? The people have convinced themselves. Well, if they didn't, if they didn't sign Adam Wainwright, they were going to sign Trey Turner. No, they weren't. I, I agree with you. And yeah, seventeen million wouldn't have got it done. Well, there's something so, about legacy with the Cardinals too. Whether yes. you like it or not, that is how they've done business. They do like it. Of they course. do like it. Of course, they just like to complain about it sometimes when it doesn't. And I get it. I get it. And 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 if you look at the numbers, Adams rehab numbers, the velo has not been something that makes you sit up and go woohoo. 
Adam's never going to be a velo guy. He never was, and he's certainly not anymore. It's about his feel. It's about his placement. It's about the way he competes through at-bats. All he has to do to help this rotation. I've said this before the season started, so I'm not edging. I'm not backtracking. All he has to do is give him a chance to win. And if he can do that and help the team. Hey, what's the difference between anybody else? And that can work. Go five and fly. <laughs> the rest of the staff has been doing that for the most part. You know, They're not I, exactly getting the best stuff from their rotation, if, if people haven't noticed. That's my point. That is my point. But I, I think we, if you want, you know, we always want to know more about the, the player, right? We're, we're trying to yeah. find out more about these guys, and a lot of players, rightfully so, are very guarded with uh, how they interact with fans or certainly their personal lives. Totally get it. But here we have a guy that is unfiltered in a lot of ways. He's singing the national anthem. He's going out and doing concerts. He's signing everything. He's unbelievably charitable in the community. Um, I give him the benefit of the doubt. And by the way, if he does falter, I'm okay with it. I still want to see the guy finish as a Cardinal, and he's going to he's gonna pitch until his, far, his arm falls off. So I respect that. With the pain that he's put his body through to, to make these starts and to do the things that he's doing, I, I give him credit instead of looking at it the other way. Yeah, I'm with you, and I hope he I hope he does get it done. And I do I too. Hope he is able to to pitch well because it would be one last chance, not to him for not to him not for him to dunk on the people who didn't believe, but also to 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 to, to prove right to people who said, "Hey, give this guy a shot. Don't write him off just yet." Um, so I'm, I'm I'm excited for his return, and I hope I know he's fully motivated. I think he does use this stuff to fuel up his gas tank and some guys can do that. And some guys are better staying away from it, but he does do it. And I think it's, uh, I think it's, I think he handles it the right way. Um, I also, I also like, like his personality and his willingness to, to mix it up a little bit. So Adam Wainwright, Eli Drinkwitz, everybody's kind of sticking their nose in it. I like it. I do it too. For, it makes our jobs easy. Absolutely. So a few more things and I'll let you go. So I was looking at the attendance numbers for the Battlehawks. They clearly blew the entire league away in terms of, I think they averaged 34, 35,000. And then I saw at the bottom, there was like 6,000 for maybe it was the Vegas Vipers or whatever they call themselves. Somebody else was around, you know, 10 or 12 or whatever. Instead of looking at it, well, what kind of season was it? My question to you is, what are you hearing in terms, will there be another season? Can the league sustain this? Have you heard anything about that with... And to me, it comes down to television money. If their TV deal is good, fannies in the seats are a bonus. But what are you hearing about, you know, continuing with the XFL? Everything from the league has been that they're they're back. That has come straight from the owners of the XFL. They are accepting season ticket deposits. The people within the league are planning for how to, you know, do training camps and tryouts and those kind of things. So there's been no indication to anyone who is working for the league or with the league that this is not back next season. Um, but the writing is, is out there on the wall and in the attendance numbers that St. Louis once again, clearly rocked the, the attendance portion of it. Other places weren't as good. That doesn't matter to the league as much as the TV ratings. So study those as much as anything. Um, when they were on the big networks, they tended to do a lot better when they were on FX, they didn't do as well. Um, is it enough that they want to try it again. It does sound like they do. And I think their partnerships with, with ABC and ESPN will, will help them give that a shot. So I think they're in for one more year, and then we'll have to see after that. Okay, so the U.S. Open Cup came through. Go ahead and clear your throat, whatever you got to do there, Ben. I can hear it all the well, way gotta, over here. Hey, Dan, you know how you said I'm really busy? <laughs> yes. 
I got to get going. Okay. I was just going to tell you, U.S. Open Cup for the uh, MLS, 22,423. Not too shabby. Not too shabby to at all. the list, man. A record for a third-round game, and uh, we're going to continue to set records at City Park. I truly believe that. All right, buddy. Thanks for doing it. We'll catch you up next week. Sounds good, man. Have a great Friday. You too. That's Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. This has been Ben Fred Fridays. We're brought to you by our buddies at uh, Lou Fuse Automotive. All the kids' programs that they have going on right now, make sure and support them. Lou Fuse Automotive. The Ascension Charity Classic at ascensioncharityclassic.com. Jim Regna from Triad Bank. Go in, have a cup of coffee with him. He'll handle all your banking needs. He's wonderful, Triad Bank. And also Lordo's Diamonds, your family's jeweler for life. We do this every Friday. Ben Fred Fridays on Scoops with DannyMac.com.